1: It's almost September already. Oh my gosh, where has the summer gone? Where has 2021 gone? Dude, where's my car? Well, what I do know is that this is the show that gives you a positive escape from all the crap around you. It is time to nerd out on the things that better our lives. We've got two weeks left on our musical journey, including today. And so today we are nerding out on soundtracks. Oh yeah, so excited. We are also reviewing the new Suicide Squad movie. We have another Captain's Origin and much, much more to end your week right. How do you take your tea?
0: Well, usually I take it right back to the counter because someone's made a horrible mistake. But <laughs> Went in Rome, <wrong>, right? <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Okay. Mm. Hmm. Well, you know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. No, thank you welcome to england let's rock it
1: oh my welcome to the real brian show wait what were we gonna do we were gonna we were usually talk in russian accents or something like oh, that we were gonna do jamaican today jamaican man Yaman, yeah, yeah, Yaman. how are you i am my name is real brian I am
2: Captain Influence. Hello, How Captain Influenza. I am great, In- man. Yeah, man.
1: I uh, influence, not influenza. Oh, so Get you, it right. You were influenza one, man. I, I now I can't even talk like it, but yeah, man. I just got to keep <laughs> going like this, man. I love that accent. Oh, let's do the whole show like this. Yes. I think, we, I think we threaten that every time, don't we? I think we do, and then we never do because it would be really yeah, hard. Right. But yeah, it's something. You know what I do love, though, is the voodoo woman on Sea of Thieves right now her name is Phyllis. Actually, no, that's not that's not her name, but it would be cool if it was. That was from Phyllis. the Waterboy, you know? He was seeing some voodoo woman named Phyllis or something like that. <laughs> the woman, Oh, my gosh. I, I was Water so excited tr- in Sea of Thieves because at the very beginning of those stories, it's the crossover with Pirates of the Caribbean right now, right. and it's really well done. And at the very beginning, I, I asked, I'm not going to say it oh, here on the show in case somebody's playing it and doesn't know yet, but I said, is that character this character? And everyone's like, who? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think it is. And anyway, and in the fourth, I think, there was a reveal of who the character was. And so it's really cool.
2: Yep. Yep. And you were right. Wait, am I allowed to say you were right? I don't know. I think we just spoiled it. But the question is, is who's the character?
1: Yeah, because they don't know, man, who who the character is. No, they do not. It's just a Caribbean thing, man. That's right. I think they don't know. At least. Okay. Well, it, it was fun. (laughs)
2: <laughs> speaking of speaking of voices ah yeah you're going on walkabout this next two weeks I'm going on a walkabout next week right two weeks in a row Sounds down 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 to new mexico
1: that's right okay Damn with all the uh the wallabies and the the dingoes the roos a lot of dingoes down there you know i would like to see a dingo someday just to say dude i got a picture with a dingo I mean, come on. Just don't let it eat your baby. Who wouldn't want a picture with a dingo? <laughs> Sarah and I have been going back and rewatching. Well, I'm rewatching. She's watching for the first time Ted Lasso because mm-hmm. season two is actually airing. I am just like, I can't wait to get to season two. At first she's like, I don't know. I don't want to watch it. You know, cause there's, there's profanity and it's kind of over the top <sighs> and there's a lot of the suggestive stuff that happens. And Sarah's just like, eh, I don't really want to. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, watch the pilot, see what you think. She watched it, loved it, didn't love all the, the stuff that, you know, she doesn't like anyway, but, you know, she loved it. And so we're getting ready to watch episode 10 when we have a chance, which is the final episode of season one. And then we can mm-hmm. finally get into season two. But there was a really cool quote that I had forgotten about the first time through in the show. He's playing darts. I don't want to give too much away, but basically there's a dude in the show who's, who's a big time jerk. And he always is lording around how awesome he is and how much money he's got and how much control and power he's got. And he's just this jerk. And Ted Lasso, you know, the coach is playing him in a game of darts and stuff like that. And this this idiot guy, they're just making fun of him, you know, and kind of underestimating him and saying, you know, you're going to lose, you're stupid, blah, blah, blah. And so Ted Lasso had a really cool comeback to this guy. And, and as I'm listening to this, I'm just like, dude, we, many of us, if not all of us, have gone through this before, and I wanted to play this because it's so inspirational. It is like a full-on superhero moment. So here's the clip.
0: Guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, Be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like Have you played a lot of darts, Ted? Which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away.
1: I know a lot of judgmental people right now, especially with this whole last year. And they're still very judgmental. And the stuff that come out of these people's mouths or that I see posted on Facebook, huh, they're not curious. They (laughs) think that they've got everything figured out. They think they know all the answers. They think they know what they need to know. And so they judge others because they don't think the same way.
2: First of all, I love that. That's it's so true. You know, we all have, we all suffer from a little bit of judgmentalism sometimes. Of but course. I think the people you're talking about, especially in recent times, their judgmentalness comes from a insecurity and fear mm-hmm. about you know because things are a little unknown right now. There's a lot. There's a lot happening in the world, whether it's climate or whether it's COVID or whether it's Afghanistan or all sorts of stuff. When that sort of thing when those things happen, you know, we are in our little nice safe bubble, especially here in the United States. When things don't go our way, we a lot of people react to that by becoming more judgmental, more, you know, it like kind of soothes their psyche to, you know, convince themselves that they already know and like, yeah, you're stupid or that's not true, or et cetera, et cetera. But to be curious instead of that is absolutely the way to be. I mean, that's yeah. that's obviously the ideal
1: counterpart to that, right? Yeah. Like you said, we all have been judgmental in our lives. Every one of us oh, yeah. has. We still do, you know. No matter what we try, but the people that are stuck in that judgment, you know, I'm. Ah, you're all wrong, and I know everything. The thing is, though, is that there are people that are definitely fearful. Probably everybody really is, honestly, if you think about it. To some level, yeah. But the truth is, is that if if you could be more curious, then it really does alleviate that fear, and it really does alleviate the the anger. And the stress and all that junk that you go through mentally, it really does because you just kind of take a step back and say, you know, okay, I'm not going to go into the details of this, but you and I were having a conversation the other night when we were gaming at the end of my sharing, here's what I think. And here's what makes sense to my limited brain right now. You were saying, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And then at the very end I said, but we could be wrong. We just don't know. And that's the thing. And, and you were kind of like, yeah, you're right. We could be wrong. Maybe those other people are right. And so it's kind of remaining in that don't assume you know everything. I, I know so many people who they just believe that they're they're right and that they know what they need to know already. It's amazing to me and they don't think they need to learn. Like even even when I was talking about podcasting and stuff like that and people would come to me and say, you know, tell me the nuts and bolts on how to make money and how to grow my audience right now. And I would say there's a lot more to that. Like, for example, I just listened to your show and you know, this is me trying to be nice You could sound a lot better when you know the unfiltered Brian would say that sounds like crap like (laughs) you sound like you're recording in your mom's basement and you got a shower running in the background like it's so bad, but I didn't Uh say that I was just like we could work on this, you know, we could work on how you come across to your listeners. We could work on are you an engaging and enticing personality and by the way, not changing who you are, but just being the best part of you that kind of thing. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. And every single person that I would bring that up to would say, yeah, yeah, that's not important. I just want to know. <laughs> and I'd be like, I can't help you because if you don't think that's important, you've already failed. They were not curious. They were not trying to figure out, okay, how can I, if your listeners don't like you or what you have to say, then nothing that you do. What did they say? Like it's taking a piece of crap and packaging up in a really nice box and trying to sell it. <laughs> it's still a What's piece of smell? crap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that everyone listening is not a hardcore judgmental type. I really do. I mean that that's my hope. Maybe somebody yeah, is. I, I think anybody who's been listening for any amount of time, I think if you're a hardcore judgmental
2: type, you probably wouldn't have been listening that long. But like I said, like you said, we we're all judgmental semi-frequently. I mean, it's it's an instinct to be judgmental. It's to to you know, to knee jerk react mentally to something that you see or hear or
1: someone you see or hear my encouragement with this. And and like I said, when I heard that quote, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I've been judged my whole life. I still get judged. You know, we all do. Oh sure. I have judged others. Each of us gets to take a step back and say, let's be curious. Let's stop being so judgmental. Let's stop acting like we know everything, especially, especially in situations where we are not directly involved. If we are directly involved in something, you probably know what's going on. If you are not directly involved in something, you have no idea what's going on. Oh so,
2: man, you you are preaching to my inner choir so hard. <laughs> you are you are like this mega preacher at a mega mega ultra mega church right now. All right, now. man. Preaching to an um, on, on a televi- televised audience of millions when you say that. <sighs> yes.
1: Okay. Yes. Well, that's the there you go. Be curious, <laughs> not judgmental. Thank you, Ted Lasso. If you have not seen that show, it is awesome. And if
2: you haven't been there to see what you're judging, you don't know what you're talking about.
1: Uh, it's so true. It is so true. It is so true. I mean, we can all <laughs> form our own opinions, but we really don't know unless we are directly involved. We just I mean, no matter right. what we think, we're just we don't know. It's like I saw a UFO once. So I know there's UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. But was it really a UFO <laughs> or was it a weather balloon? It had
2: to be, Brian. It had to
1: be. <laughs> All right. Let's get into your origin this week. Oh, origin today. Yeah. Okay. So
2: I have a special person to thank for this week's origin, Brian. Um, and guess who that might
1: be? Yeah, I've got a pretty good idea.
2: Oh, you got it. You nailed it. Oh, Mike, I'm so not good friend, at imitating our, fr- our, our buddy friend Mike. Mike. You, no, yeah. you do just fine. In fact, you, you come a long way when your are Mike, Mike Impression. <laughs> your Mike Impression is in fine fettle today, Brian. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, today's origin is fine fettle. We <sighs> we we'd mentioned something about Mike a week or two ago being in fine fettle on game night because he was just being a perfect Mike.
1: Tony, yeah. Tony, come on. I, can, you got to give us the origin of fine fettle because, yeah, you know, I, I'm terrible at him. You, you do it. I'm, you're a better and Mike I said, than I am. And I said, that's a great idea, Mike. I wrote it
2: down yeah. and, and here's the origin of fine fettle. For those of you who haven't heard the saying, uh, and it's fairly antiquated, to be in fine fettle is to be in good condition, generally, if used in relation to objects, or in good health, if used in relation to yourself or other humans. Now, that being said, I tend to use the, the phrase fine fettle slightly incorrectly. I'll admit Uh-oh. that. <laughs>
1: Well, no I just wonder I use he it, was wondering what was going on. I use it to
2: mean you know and I'm basing <laughs> my that I'm basing that on this this official definition. I tend to use it in in the sense that uh, if if someone is is really chipper or behaving in such a way that defines them or I don't know I, I just I just say hey, you're in, you're in fine fettle today like and I don't know you, some of you get what I'm saying others are like whatever captain. Mm-hmm. So the the alliteration fine fettle makes it a pleasant idiom. But what is a fetel and where did that phrase come from? The origin of the word fetel is fairly obscure and is often as is often the way with these things there's no definitive answer. It is thought that it owes its origin to the old English noun fetel with one t f e t e l which is a belt and which itself derives its meaning from the German fessel meaning a chain or band. So probably the original sense of the noun was to convey the sense of girding yourself up, summoning up energy as if for some task. At some point in its usage, it morphed into a verb and had the connotation of putting something in order or mm-hmm. to tidy up. So the role of a belt is to tidy up the area where your upper and lower clothing meets. Third and it is kind of makes sense that a verb could emerge from a noun describing a type of belt. It also has survived in some manufacturing industries. In metallurgy, the process of cleaning metal castings by knocking and scraping off unnecessary projections on the surface of the cast is known as fettling. I didn't know that. In ceramics, the process of fettling involves the removal of two seam
1: lines left after joining two molds. And there you go. When you were explaining it to Mike, too, is like you know, hey, Mike's in his—he's in his prime. He's being the best version of himself, sort of thing. Yeah, there you go, Mike. It means to be in good condition. So, Mike, yeah. you were in good condition. And uh, Mike, the last two nights you were on gaming with us so good job buddy yeah. keep it up and thank you for listening mike really appreciate it. i know you he's made a lot of comments by the way to us about you know i have some thoughts here and i really appreciate the honesty so thank you for totally. listening so loyally and you know it really does mean a lot yeah so it really does thank you oh yeah anyway <laughs> all right <laughs> Let's dig into the music because it's soundtrack week. We've got oh yeah one more week after this and that's it. But it is, it's been a fun journey, man. I don't we'll think
2: of something else.
1: <laughs> some of you have been like, I just don't listen to music. I don't care. And I, I get it. You can't please everybody. And I totally understand. But then we've been getting so many phenomenal comments back from people who've been saying, I am loving this so much. They're just having fun with us. So thank you. All right, yeah. Captain. Why don't you go first? Because my gosh, I thought that you know every other decade was hard. This is hands down the hardest <laughs> one for me. Yeah, you, you definitely
2: have a, a, a phenomenal appreciation and more of a detailed appreciation for movie soundtracks than I have. For me, my list of favorite soundtracks and movie scores is limited to those movies where my brain was consciously aware of how great the soundtrack was, which is less often than you. This is something I don't typically listen for in any given movie. So if I notice it. It must have been phenomenal for me and elicited an emotional response. Nice. I also noticed as I compiled this list that James Horner is clearly my favorite composer. Oh, nice. I love it. Yeah. Number seven, David Bowie and Trevor Jones, Labyrinth. Nice. Remember Labyrinth oh, with uh, yeah. Jennifer Connelly? I love it. And movie. David Bowie. Yeah. This This was the first soundtrack that I stole from a counselor at a summer <laughs> program when I was in fifth, sixth grade, something like that. <laughs> Getto. I also stole a bunch of. I also stole the occasional Mars bars. I used to steal stuff when I was little. I don't know why. So would it be Captain stopped,
1: Klepto instead of Captain Influence? It
2: used to be. No, I, I'm, okay. I I haven't stolen anything like that really since I was in junior high. Anyhow, I later returned the stolen cassette to its former owner, and apologized, and eventually got my own copy. Very nice. It lived in my Walkman for a very long time. Beautiful. All right, number six. This one has a good story. James Horner, Aliens, oh, the second I- Alien movie. Aliens has a special place in my heart because it used to scare the living crap out of me when I was, like, when I was an adolescent. Used to. Yeah. Now I have, I have <laughs> dreams about the xenomorphs now, and I think they're awesome. Oh, yeah. I like, they're, never, they're never nightmares. I always wake up going, God, oh, that was an awesome dream. Love those um, things, man. As I got older and saw the movie more and more, I stopped being scared and started to really appreciate how the film score complemented the action and content funny story about this score is that Horner was given less than two weeks less than two weeks to compose the score for director James Cameron rather than the six weeks he had been promised on top of that Cameron and his team kept making last minute editing revisions and kept requesting changes to the music so it is a miracle that Horner was able to not only complete the score on time but to compose such a masterpiece at the same time Horner was so pissed at Cameron that he wouldn't work with him again until Titanic nearly a decade later
1: so wow, yeah. and I'm surprised that he worked with Cameron at that point. Maybe, maybe, I know. maybe Cameron kind of relaxed a little bit, and time heals all wounds. And so. I heard that Cameron was a jerk to work with in his earlier days. I definitely read that a lot.
2: There's a really good video on YouTube about the making of Aliens, if, mm-hmm. if any of you are interested, and, and they they go through that whole dynamic, and it's really interesting. Number five, Jerry Goldsmith, First Night, yeah, very good. This was the first movie where I went back the very next day and saw it again by myself. Because I was so enamored with the film and the score combined, when I when I watch it now, the film's okay. It's still good, but the score combined with the film—it's so good. It 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 just makes it a really good movie for me. Yeah. Number four, Queen Flash Gordon. This has come up before. Yes. Oh, as I've mentioned before, the universe. (laughs) <laughs> Flash, Gordon. Flash Gordon was the first movie I remember seeing in the theater when I was like four or five years old in like 1980 or 81. Yeah. And the soundtrack snagged me right away, even at that age. My, my dad loved Queen and had the soundtrack on vinyl and I would listen to it over and over again on his record player. It was my first introduction to a lifelong appreciation of Queen. So Flash Gordon was the first exposure I had to Queen that I can remember. There's been no looking back. Nice. Number three, James Horner, Glory. Oh, yeah. Now, I, that was really nice. Yeah. I, I saw Glory in December or January of 89 when I was in eighth grade. And this was the first movie where I actually cried at the end. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, that's how I remember. I, I remember this is the first movie that happened in my life. Luckily, nobody was with me at the time. I saw it by myself. Glory was the second time in my life that I latched onto a specific film score as I was watching it. And I feel like the the film was so much better for it. This was also the first movie I saw multiple times in the theater. Wow. And it first got me interested in the history of the American Civil War. Nice. Number two, James Horner again. Yes. Braveheart. Oh, yeah. From one of the most historically inaccurate <laughs> movies ever made. <laughs> Braveheart is still indescribably beautiful to me. Ever since I visited Sterling in, in the UK and went to the William Wallace Memorial at Sterling and and learned about the true history of William Wallace. It's, it's always been difficult to watch the movie Braveheart because yeah. it's like, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Yeah. It's almost like that trip kind of ruined it for me in, oh, a, no. in some way. In some way. Yeah. But the soundtrack, that doesn't take away from the soundtrack. This is the third time in my life that I fell in love with a film score. And I used to listen to it a lot in college while I did homework. Oh, for so, sure. Number one, guys Eric, Sarah, The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah. In no small part, it was because I was so completely enamored with the soundtrack of this film that I went and saw it alone and with various other people no less than 11 times while I was in the theaters back in the summer of 97. I went literally 11 times. Most of those 11 times were in like the cheap theater. Sure. So this was 11 times spread out over the course of an entire summer. Sure. I don't think this film would have been nearly as good if it weren't for Eric Sarah's score. Yeah. I went to the music store and bought the CD the day after I first saw the movie. And that was the first time I'd ever done that. Oh wow.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Nice.
2: There you go. That's, oh, that's my list. And then uh, my honorable mentions really fast Mm -hmm. are uh, Howard Shore, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. James Horner again, a beautiful mind. Mm -hmm. Hans Zimmer inception. Yes. Hans Zimmer again, gladiator. Yes. Thomas Newman, Shawshank redemption. Yeah. I forgot about that one. That's a beautiful one. John Williams, the empire strikes back. Oh yeah. And John Williams again, E.T. the extraterrestrial. Very nice, dude. Yeah. So much fun. Go.
1: Yeah. I know. Oh, I appreciate that. Cool. Thanks for sharing all those. No, you're welcome. Thank you. I've always loved soundtracks. I still love them. Absolutely beyond ridiculous, rabid soundtrack fan and an avid mm-hmm. movie lover. As You know that. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I loved soundtracks until I was going because what I have is a, I have a, a soundtrack mix that I just have been adding to as I see a new movie and I'm like, oh, I like them. I am throw to it. I had no idea how many I had in that list. And I was going through them and going, I like every one of these. This is ridiculous. In fact, you could say that if a if a movie has a good soundtrack, it's added to my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's so subjective. Which I is don't know. hundreds and hundreds <laughs> and hundreds now. It's so ridiculous. To me though, and you were mentioning this too, is that I truly, truly believe that a soundtrack can make or break a movie. The power yeah. that a soundtrack can add to a movie or even a TV show can be the reason for evoking that emotion from a viewer and even remembering the movie, to be honest, I did the same thing you did. I would study when I was in high school, especially even younger than that, though, I would study to the music, but then I would also study the composers and then I would try to compose like many of them, you know, like John Mm. Williams, James Horner, Hans Zimmer, Basil, Jerry, all those guys. In fact, a lot of the stuff I used to learn by ear on the keyboard, the piano on the keyboards is I would try to pick up last of the Mohicans. All of those, I would, I would try to pick those up and, and play them. And not just on the piano, but try to recreate the orchestral stuff on my keyboards, too. It was so much fun. Now, one thing I've noticed recently is that the soundtracks have not been as good. Recently, yeah. Yeah. There are a couple that pop in once in a while that I'm like, oh, that's really, really, really good. But most of the time, I'm not hearing anything that is so epic and powerful and beautiful and emotional, you know, as much anymore. I've seen a lot of that move to video games, which, you know, we... By the way, amazing, amazing soundtracks in some of the video games. But we decided to leave this list just to movies and TV shows. I'm going to go, as always, from number one down. For me, number one, hands down, was the Titanic soundtrack. James Horner, like Uh I said. You know, again, in my opinion, this is like, this is one of the best soundtracks ever, ever written. Because James Horner made the emotion of this movie. I mean, I liked the movie. I was a, for whatever reason, I studied Titanic as a kid a lot. And so then when the movie came out, I was able to watch it and I just went, wow. I mean, most of this is historically accurate. It was really well done. Of course, you know, the whole Jack and Rose story was not, but man, the music, one of the tracks in there feels like you're underwater. You're, you're kind of like going through Titanic's frozen grave. It's amazing. Like how he did that to me. So anyway, I, I see that entire soundtrack as an absolute genius masterpiece that he did. It's beautiful. It's haunting. And in fact, when we got out of the theater after seeing that movie, my dad and granddad and uncle and I went to go see it It was really fun. I remember that whole day very well. And I remember my granddad saying that the soundtrack turned this movie into the masterpiece that it was. And if it weren't for that soundtrack, it just would have been good. Nice. Number two for me hunt for red October. Oh my gosh. Basil Polidori's This entire soundtrack is so awesome. One of my favorite movies. Oh yes. And then it is in Russian too, you know, it is yeah. very nice. So they have the yeah. the theme and the, the oh, everything about it. So awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's a movie that I can watch over and over and never get tired of it either. So awesome soundtrack. Number three, I mentioned this already was last of the Mohicans, Trevor Jones and Randy Edelman. Also one of my favorite soundtracks to me, the movie was great, but the soundtrack far better. <laughs> it was just that good, yeah. you know, and what was kind of cool and I've never seen this. I never had seen this and I've still to this day, never seen this. Is that Trevor Jones did the first half of the soundtrack with his style, and it's like the main, you know, epic sound that's in the first part of the movie. But then Randy Edelman brings in his style for the second half of the soundtrack. But then, huh. of course, they mixed it throughout the movie. So, like, chorus theme when you see Cora in the beginning, it's kind of this nice, happy theme. It fits her, and it's a completely different style than what Trevor Jones did. But I've oh. never seen anyone else do that, where they separated it out. Like, you see a lot of people working together these days, but it's a, it's still the same style all the way through. So it's kind of cool. And also a fun little story with this is that this was one that I learned to play by ear. And then in high school, we actually performed this. It was really fun. We arranged it so that we took all the main themes and we put them all together in one little piece. And so my friend and I would do dueling keyboards where we could hit all of the orchestral stuff and everything. And then our other friend did the violin part. It was so interesting. Awesome. Oh, man. That would have been- Wish you had recorded that. You should play it for us. Oh, I know. I wish I had, but we, I don't have a recording of it. Alright, number four, and this is not the entire soundtrack, but this is the actual piece because it is so, so, so good. Inception, Hans Zimmer, but yeah. it's the time piece, that that one that's actually called Time. It, oh my gosh. What's amazing is it's, it's very repetitive. It's very simple, but the way that he does it, the way that he brings in the other instruments, the dynamic changes in this, in this piece is just one of my favorites ever. It's so, 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 so powerful and so fun to listen to.
2: What really struck me on that score was how he would he would have this note where you go, uh, oh, uh, and it would just get yeah. louder and louder. And it's just, it, was, it got so loud. It was overwhelming. And that was just so powerful. What, you know, that mechanism that he used blew me away at the time. So, yeah,
1: what's amazing is the music really paired perfectly with that movie. Oh, again, yeah, that that's where I see the genius happening is because, you know, that you'll go right. and they'll film these movies and then these composers have to sit down and go, okay. I got to write what will music. What this sound like? Yeah. And it's amazing <laughs> to me because, you know, I've, I've screwed around writing music and stuff in the past and composing some stuff and it is fun, but I'll tell you what, being able to do what some of these guys do, even John Williams, especially, I mean, that guy is a genius. He's an Einstein Mozart genius. In my opinion, Yeah. I it's look at horror. what, well, yeah, they all are really, to be honest, but you look at those guys and you're just like, how did you do that? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a musician and I've been trained classically. I know this stuff. How did you do that? This is so cool. Number five, the Starship Troopers soundtrack, Basil Polidorus. Again, again, amazing, amazing. I love the movie. I love the music. Clendathu through drop is my favorite on the soundtrack. It's all good though, mm-hmm. but there's this part in that piece where the brass section is blasting out the main theme and the, the string section is doing this really fast accompaniment. And it's just, it's again, it's very emotional. So cool. Plus the drum section. So nice job, Basil. All right, getting into my James Horner stuff, which I love James Horner. And that is a uh, Star Trek II, the Star Trek II yeah. soundtrack.
2: Star Trek II is the first Star Trek movie I ever saw when I was
1: six years old. It's always been my favorite ever since. Hands down, that movie is my favorite as well. But that is one of the best soundtracks of all the Star Treks as well. It was funny as I like every single Star Trek soundtrack, every one of them. And it's not just because I like Star Trek; it's because they really got great composers. It's phenomenal. Okay. That was early James Horner, but man, it was so cool. And then I put in there Lord of the Rings soundtrack as well the Mm -hmm. entire trilogy because Howard Shore, by the way, you mentioned that it's either the most or one of the most diverse soundtracks I've ever heard because he had to write music for each and every race and also each scenario that they were in. Yeah, good point. So he had to represent all of the different peoples of middle earth and think about this. Every single one of those is different. It's not a theme, a variation on a theme, which most soundtracks are a variation on a theme. It's like here's your main theme. and We're going to do a bunch of different variations that sound sort of different, but if you really pay attention, it's the same theme all the way through. It's just a slightly different version, but with this, it's completely different music and yet it all complements each other. I know it's amazing to me, even though some of the stuff I go. Yeah, you know, it's not my favorite music. It's just it's amazing that he could do that, which is cool. All right. Number eight Tron Legacy Daft Punk. Also, just such a fun soundtrack. I mean, it's so different. So cool. Number nine, I put in now. The only reason this is number nine for me is because I had to share some of those other ones that were to me masterpieces. I love the fifth element from Mm Eric Serra as much as you do. The only reason I didn't put it in number nine is because it is just like I said, variations on a main theme. Yeah, which I love though. And it fits the movie perfectly. And I agree wholeheartedly with you that that soundtrack made that movie so much better. And every time I hear that music, it's like, it's nostalgic. It brings me back to these great memories Brings me back to November, which is when I first saw the movie, which was <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's a magical soundtrack and, and the piece protect life is, is one of my favorites. It's the one where Lelou's, you know, cont- oh. finishing off her words and learning about everything on the ship. Oh, going through the, the, yeah, the images. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. And then number 10, this is a tie Braveheart, James Horner and crimson tide by Hans Zimmer. I saw both of these movies in the same summer and of course loved them both like really loved them. And I bought the soundtracks right away. Listen to them over and over. And it was funny because that summer we had a lot of rain. And so as I was listening, it was like, okay, well, well, I'm listening to Crimson Tide. It it actually feels like I'm on the ocean right now with the rain coming down. And then it's like, but well, I'm listening to Braveheart. I'm like, I'm in the highlands of Scotland and the rain. And I'm and getting the, stabbed to death with swords. Yeah. And the clouds are hanging low and, and I'm <laughs> free. Oh my gosh. It was so cool. I wrote this in because you mentioned um, flash. Oh yeah. Savior of the universe, which Then I'm like, wait a minute, The Highlander. Duh, I love that soundtrack with Queen. I totally forgot about that. That was amazing. Totally. This is more of the piece, but the 1989 Batman, the track, you know, the suite from Danny Elfman. Oh, yes. That's a beautiful piece. Knight Rider. (laughs) 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 I had to throw that one in. Stu Phillips, the original. Michael? John Williams, though. I mean, I pretty much could say if it's John Williams, I'm probably going to like it. I mean, there's so many great Star Wars themes, but I had to throw in the Home Alone theme. Dude, that is one of the mm -hmm. greatest themes John Williams, I think, ever did Jurassic Park. Of course, Harry Potter, his versions, Superman, Christopher Reeves version, right? Schindler's List, E.T., Indiana Jones. He did some stuff for the Olympics. I mean, oh, my gosh, the list goes on and on and on with him. And then, yeah, Hans Zimmer, Pirates of the Caribbean, Klaus Badelt actually wrote the original theme, but then Hans Zimmer took over and they might have partnered together because they do that a lot. Mm -hmm. Man, Hans Zimmer took that Pirates of the Caribbean music to a whole new level. It was so good. Interstellar, as bizarre as that is, it's so different, and it's just that cool droning organ thing that's going on in the background. I love it. Yes. Yeah. He did The Rock. Remember that? Welcome to The Rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's one of my favorite places to visit. I was formerly an inmate there. The Wonder (laughs) Woman theme from the new Wonder Woman movie, I love it. It's got that sweet drum and electric guitar going on gladiator the lion the original lion king by the way I mean he's done so much I I love Hans Zimmer and then of course Jerry Goldsmith he did so much Star Trek actually wrote the original score that became the next generations title theme he wrote that for the Star Trek the motion picture which is kind of fun and then two of my actually three of my favorites from him are Star Trek first contact Star Trek insurrection and then Star Trek Voyager all three of those were phenomenal Jerry Goldsmith soundtracks he did Air Force one too. Oh, okay the new Mulan movie is beautiful Harry Gregson Williams, beautiful music. Check that one out. Chronicles of Narnia, again. Harry Gregson Williams. I forgot about that, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is such a great soundtrack." Now I'm going back into the '80s by Klaus Doldinger. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. The never-ending like story, a- dude. The never-ending, never-ending story.
2: story with the guy who sounds like a. chick well, that on. was a different one. I'm thinking of
1: like the one where you know they're flying on Falcor and the ivory tower. I'm talking about the musical stuff. You know, sure, the score. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah score. Yeah. So good. Oh, Al, dude, how could we forget about Alan Silvestri back to the future? Forrest Gump. I mean, Avengers night at the museum. He did all that stuff. Love that okay. stuff. Battlestar Galactica, the soundtrack from the TV show, the new TV show by bear McCreary, which I love his stuff. He's not so phenomenal. When that
2: first came out, the tribal drums in that soundtrack, right at the beginning of the first episode, yeah. hooked me
1: right away. I was like, Oh, this is really different. So good. Yeah. Now here's another, composer that i love that's newer is steve Jablonsky, and everyone says oh my gosh he sounds like han zimmer well he was actually an apprentice of han zimmer and then ah. went off on his own and did his own thing so that's why when you listen to transformers you go it sounds like han zimmer Well, yeah that's why it's the same <laughs> same style but transformers is amazing the island which is a fantastic movie by the way if you've never seen it enders game and then you know how i reviewed bloodshot last year and i said eh, the movie's okay but dang the soundtrack was awesome yeah <laughs> so cool I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's like Cappuccino, Michael Cappuccino, Giacchino, Giacchino, Giacchino. I don't know. Giacchino. Giacchino. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He did all of the new Star Trek. Well, I think at least the first two Star Trek movies, I think he did all three. Phenomenal music in in all of which.
2: Which three? Oh, you mean the ones that that Abrams did? Yeah.
1: Okay. Got it. soundtracks in those were were fantastic. Again, every single Star Trek that I can remember has had a good soundtrack and a good composer. Oh, so yeah. Michael, you're awesome. Cappuccino. I forgot your name. Jupiter. I know you hated the movie and I, I didn't, uh, but dude, the soundtrack from Jupiter ascending is amazing. So check that one out. See,
2: I envy your ability to, to pick out that, that gem within that giant pile of crap. That I, was Jupiter ascending.
1: I didn't. It was funny. Cause I, I heard somebody or I saw somebody had posted and I thought, I'll just listen to the soundtrack and see what it sounds like. I didn't hear it in the movie because I was so oh, okay. X-Men days of future past, I think had the best soundtrack of all of the X-Men movies. That was by John Ottman and Jeffrey Schindler. Really good national treasure. Trevor Rabin. The remember Robin hood, Prince of thieves, Michael Kamen. Yeah. Kevin Costner. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. It was, was so good. good. The movie stardust, also a phenomenal movie. If you've never seen it, Elon, Eshcurry, really, really good. Dune by Toto. Oh,
2: dude! I totally forgot about oh, Dune. Yeah. The
1: soundtrack was fantastic especially the closing credits. That's my favorite song on that soundtrack yeah. is the closing credits, the movie gravity, which, you know, I thought it was an okay movie, but the soundtrack from that was also just spectacular. Steven price serenity, you know, firefly, the, the serenity uh-huh. movie. That was an amazing soundtrack they did by David Newman, top gun, Harold Faltermeyer, the TV show Merlin had an amazing soundtrack by Rob Lane. Loved that soundtrack. the whole time I'm watching that show, I'm just like, the music is so period. Perfect. It's awesome. And then my final one, I mean, there's so many more. Like I said, I've got hundreds and hundreds, but the last one I'm going to mention is <laughs> dances with wolves. That was another masterpiece by John. It was
2: yes. Dances with wolves should have made my honorable mentions list. So thank you for bringing that up.
1: Oh yeah. No problem. Well, and that's why I brought them all up. Cause I thought it's going to spark memories for all of us. And we're going to be like, Oh yeah, I got to go listen to that. A few here from the huntress and spider pan. Thank you both. Really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I, I want to say thank you to those of you who have participated in this. This has been a lot of fun. And yes, I, I really, have really enjoyed a- your involvement. We appreciate it a lot. Yeah. So Spider-Pan, of course, John Williams loves John Williams, ET star Wars, Superman Raiders, March, Jurassic park, Harry's wonderful world, the dark crystal. I forgot about that. One. Oh dude.
2: Yeah, totally, man. Thank yeah. you. Spider-Pan. That, that's another one that should have made. Cause that, that soundtrack and movie made a huge impact on my adolescent years. Yeah. So
1: your formation,
2: formation. <laughs> the, the formation of my the, the growth of my cerebellum. Yes. That's right.
1: Yes. And he also mentioned Labyrinth and specifically as the world falls down by David Bowie. So there you go. Yeah, that whole soundtrack. I I listened to it so many times. So yeah, good call. And then Huntress, all three special edition soundtracks from the original Star Wars trilogy. She was mentioning Uh that each one is a two disc set and it's all of the music from the films, not just a selection of them. Interesting. And she mentions that John Williams is the maestro as well for good reason. And then I think the rest of her music is mostly soundtracks that included like like pop and rock songs and kind of stuff like that. So atomic blonde, which by the way, I've not seen that yet. And she said it's a favorite of hers and she's watched it five times in the first week that she got it. I was like, okay, I got to check them really? out. Charlize Theron too. So that'd be fun. But okay. Soundtrack's amazing. Purple rain for the motion picture.
2: Oh dude. Another one, man. <laughs> I, I own that soundtrack. I don't know why it wasn't nice. on my list. Prince purple rain is one of my favorite albums of all
1: time. So yeah, there you go. Grease. That's a phenomenal soundtrack too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The Bodyguard, Whitney Houston, Queen of the Night. That's her favorite track. And then Bumblebee. I didn't. I guess I forgot about that, too, that it does add a lot of '80s songs mixed in, which is really nice, too. So that's I cool. I never did see. I never saw Bumblebee. So. Oh, that's really
2: good. Oh, the touch is in there. Really? Yeah. Yep. You got the touch. Really? They put that in there from <laughs> yeah, the Transformers movie. That's awesome. That's okay. awesome.
1: All right. Gross Point Blank. Saturday yeah, Night Fever. Oh, it's one of my favorite soundtracks. I love Dude. it. Frozen and Moana. <laughs> Mo- She's like, they're just so catchy. Admit it. I'm like, I can't admit it because, well, first of I all, I don't know any of the Moana movie uh, soundtracks, but Frozen drives me Mona. crazy. Is it Moana? I thought, it was, I thought no, I thought it was Mona. Maybe it is Moana. I think it's Moana. Honestly, know. I think it's Moana, but I've never yeah, seen it, right. so I really don't know. Frozen. I'm not gonna lie, and I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but the soundtrack drives me crazy. I never saw it either, and I don't care. And I'm sorry, I'm just not into that. You're stuff. not. You're not a girl. It's okay
2: that's not a sexist comment either. It's, it's literally, it's,
1: that's a well, that's a written for for girls
2: frozen. Yes. Yeah.
1: But so. I do know some guys that do as well. The percentage of women that I know that like frozen far outweighs the percentage of men that I know that like frozen. Cool. So there you Obvious. go. Yeah. And I don't know that many little girls, so that doesn't really help. <laughs> either. <laughs> do I. All right. Guardians <laughs> of the galaxy volumes one and two. Yes. Oh yeah. a great. Course. So beautiful. Of course. Stuff. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. I really enjoyed this. We are we're running long today because we had so much to talk about, but let's briefly jump into our review of the suicide squad and then we'll wrap up. I've got some brand new music to share for you next week because we haven't shared new like actual new music since May. That's true. It's been a while. So we'll do that next week and I wanted to share a really interesting thought that I had about Superman and Lois. It wrapped this week. Great show. I need to watch the finale still, but Great show. I, but I have an interesting thought and I actually want your feedback on it. So I'm going to ask that next week and then I'll let you know what I think of Loki because I'll be done by next week as well. Okay. Me, me too. Well, let's jump into the suicide squad. Captain. Hmm.
2: <laughs> that good you know, movie. it was clear to me when I, as I was watching it from fairly early on in the movie that the top brass at DC went to James Gunn and said, dude, do what you did with guardians of the galaxy, but with these characters. Oh, <laughs> Oh, and throw in as much gratuitous gore, adult language, and humor as possible. Yeah. He's, and he said, okay. That, that actually right, makes, that makes a lot of sense right there. there.
1: That's there, what yeah.
2: I'll do. <laughs> now, there were funny parts. I was, I laughed quite a bit, and, and I smiled through a lot of the movie, so I didn't hate it. But they were Guardians funny. It was really hit or miss for me. The main antagonist, the monster in the film, was just over the top. It was just... And I think it was... Obviously, it was meant to be. I mean, it's not like... I, I, I don't know what my expectations were, but uh, it was meant to be that way. But Starro it, the Conqueror. Starro the Conqueror. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the shark dude uh, was basically a Hulk and Groot mashup, but it didn't totally suck a la episode seven, but it was just, it, sorry, I had to throw that in there, but it was just <laughs> so weird and forced that I have trouble calling it a good movie. Okay. I'm giving the Suicide Squad a solid five out of 10. Oh,
1: wow. That's, that's kind of yeah. low, man. It's like a solid F right there, man.
2: It was a a C minus or a D, honestly. To me, five is a 50%. So, since it's half of 10.
1: So, got okay. Okay. But, but it's like a solid C for you. C minus. I'll give it. Yeah. (laughs) Go for a D plus, man. (laughs) Yeah. D plus. There
2: you go. Okay. since, Since I did enjoy it, I'd say a C is probably fair. Yeah.
1: Okay. We're kind of on the same page. And at the same time, I did finally talk to a few other people that watched the movie. I read some of the reviews and it really was pretty mixed. I think there were a lot more people that loved the movie than didn't. So I think you and I are kind of on the minority side of not loving it as much. Like I, I I enjoyed it. I had fun, but I was not blown away because you know, people complained so much about the 2016 suicide squad movie, which by the way, I did not hate either. Again, it was the same kind of thing. It's like I enjoyed it. I wasn't blown away to me, this felt exactly the same. I I got the same emotional response was I enjoyed it. I wasn't blown away and the, the things that people complained about in the 2016 movie, they didn't really fix, which I (laughs) thought was kind of ironic because one of the biggest things was, Oh, there's this weird villain threatening the whole world and we don't care about that. That's exactly what they did here too, except it was threatening Corto Maltese.
2: Yeah, just an island. yeah.
1: Yeah, but it was still the whole world because, So I looked up Starro, the conqueror, which is the main villain. It's in the comics. It is Mm -hmm. ridiculous, but that's the way it is. (laughs) Anyway, it does threaten the whole world and that's the entire thing. Now, the way that they did Starro in this movie was fairly consistent with the comics based on what I've seen. I've not read those specifically, but just the research that I did a little different. So it wasn't bad, but I I, I feel like they kind of implemented it not as well as they could have. Yeah. The thing, though, that I did not like, and again, I know some people that absolutely loved this, is the the extraordinarily hard rated R rating. Okay. I love action. I love violence. Uh, actually, that, that sounds wrong. <laughs> I, <laughs> love, that. I love action. I don't <laughs> mind violent movies, you know, but where it draws the line is where it becomes unnecessary violence. So to me, this just went way, 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 way over the top even beyond gratuitous as far oh, they, as the blood and gore in the language. They, they, they totally
2: they, skipped on Yeah.
1: To me anyway. Now, again, some of the people that I talked with said, that's the style. We love gore. We love blood. We love language. We loved this movie. That's what some yeah. of the people that I talked to said. And I thought, okay then. So enough, man. if you're into that kind of stuff, then you're going to probably love this movie. But to me, oh, yeah. it's like the language. There are times where I'll see language in movies and TV shows where they are emphasizing a point and they're, Or it's part of the dialect, you know, like we watch last chance you and it's football players and they're all just cussing because that's just what they do, you know, right? My point was they took that and they went way beyond that to (laughs) instead of let's, you know, emphasize a point or represent a dialect. Let's just see how many F bombs we could fit into one sentence just because it was kind of like, okay, you went from proving a point to this is just unintelligent sounding to me. But again, some people love that stuff. So go for it, whatever. But I actually think that the frequency of the language and the blood and the gore actually took away from the enjoyment for me anyway. Like it just went too far for me. I did read some reviews though from critics and users also that were saying that this was James Gunn's attempt to finally push the envelope as far as how much violence, gore and language that I can get into the movie because he felt constrained with Marvel. Now, I don't know if that's actually true, but let's just say that the movie reflects that opinion one way or the other. Now, talking about soundtracks, I thought the soundtrack was incredibly meh. The score was boring and at times incredibly cheesy. I'm I'm listening to the music and going, this is kind of annoying me. Some of it fell out of place and it just kind of it made the movie worse for me, which was kind of weird. So that's an example. And I don't know who did the soundtrack, but that's an example where they didn't do a very good job. As far as the score goes, I'm talking about not the, the songs they added in. Those were fine, but the score was eh. on the positive side. There were great parts. There were some, like you said, hilarious laugh out out loud moments, man. I was was laughing really hard. There was an amazing unleash Harley Quinn fight scene. Let her go kind of thing. Let's see what she is capable of doing a la Vader at the end of Rogue One. It was (laughs) awesome. The acting was actually really great. The effects were fantastic. There were so many good things about the movie. And then there was those other things that just kind of drew it down for me. Now, really quickly, you mentioned King Shark, the the shark dude, Yeah, the shark dude. It did feel like a dumb Hulk mixed with Groot. King Shark is an intelligent being. He was in the Flash a couple times. He has quite a history in the comics. I kind of feel like they gypped his character, like even though even though it was that funny and cute Groot kind of style at times, it was just kind of like he's not an idiot. Like, why, why did they make him an idiot? Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. It's fun. It's enjoyable. And again, if you're someone who really loves the violence, gore and the language, you're going to love this movie. If you're sensitive to it, I would hundred percent stay away from it because it's really over the top. And then as far as it being a great superhero addition to the DC universe, I'd say that's totally subjective. My personal preference is Zack Snyder's justice league, wonder woman, Shazam oh. Aquaman, and most of the Marvel movies, but that's just me. It's not the suicide squad that I was hoping for to redeem right. what they did in 2016.
2: Yeah, I felt very similar about both movies, so yeah. All
1: right. Booyah. For different reasons. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you guys hey. for joining us. I know this, we went a little longer today. We just had so much to share, but you're going to be on Walkabout next week, so right. it's going to be fun, actually, seeing if we can connect you remotely to see where you are in the the anals of New Mexico.
2: Yeah, I'll have my headset and my laptop. Yeah, the bowels of, of New Mexico is what I was going after. I caught my dingo in my room. Deep Thoughts with Captain Influence. Cops love donuts, so I decided to always keep a box of fresh donuts in my car in case I feel the need for speed. Unfortunately, I love donuts more than cops do. Nothing is worse than a disappointed cop who sees an empty box of donuts.
1: Do you know what the music means? Uh Uh-huh. It's time to go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Realbryanshow.com slash 293. We'll have our links in there for the soundtracks. We'll finish up next week with classical Either way. Thank you. I mean, really, we can't tell you how much we we love you joining us. We really appreciate it. Have an amazingly glorious week. We will see you next week. The Real Brian Show is signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.